Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, bring on February, whether you're ready for it or not. Day one, month number two, day number one, middle of the month, we get the share-invented holiday, right? Isn't that February 14th, Valentine's Day? I think that was discovered in about 1963 uh, by, uh, by Cher, uh, and that'll just create a tremendous amount of stress uh, for gentlemen everywhere, right? I mean, if you love yours, you love yours. You don't need to give her flowers on Valentine's Day. Do your box of chocolates or something. Can't you just express your love? I mean, isn't every day all about love, right? I don't know. It's, uh, it's uh, capitalism at its best, right? It's commercialized. And again, thank you to Cher. For those of you who don't believe me, just Google it. She actually did invent Valentine's Day. Hey, Valentine's Day uh, set aside. The month of February is huge in these parts. We continue with the Senior Bowl. We're going to have a live report in less than 25 minutes. Damian Parsons does an outstanding job from the NFL Draft Network. He is live from Mobile. Been sending out some good reports, some viral uh, reports or visual reports that I think have gone viral. And I've enjoyed it. We always uh, have plenty from Damian when it comes to the NFL draft. And, you know, this is really the start of it. You know, th- this is an important month um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars with uh, the scouting that is ongoing right now at the Senior Bowl. Of course, late in the month, beginning on February 27th through March 4th, you actually do get the NFL scouting combine. And... The Senior Bowl and the Combine is is really where, as as groups of all 32 teams, you can get together and evaluate prospects. Now, I think uh, Las Vegas is telling us it's somewhere around 14 and a half. That's the number of projected first-round picks that could go in this year's draft who are participating in the, in the um, uh, Senior Bowl and, and the practices this week. So... Um, there is very good talent there. Obviously, the very best of the bunch, uh, not necessarily taking part in this, and we'll see how many actually work out and go ahead and do everything once the combine gets underway later this year or later, uh, later in the month of uh, Indianapolis live from um, Lucas Oil Stadium beginning on February 27th. But that's it. I mean, after that, it's bringing guys in, right? It's pro days. You know, how many coaches, how many – individuals do you send your general manager your head coach your position coach whatever it may be to different pro days uh, across the country interviews here Uh, but as far as the whole grouping this is it and it's also the final college game of the year Saturday 
at 1 o'clock. I've always been one of those who has believed that it's actually the practice and practices, uh, six of them, right, two a day, um, and that continued uh, today as well as obviously on Wednesday and Tuesday. Kind of an off day, walk-through day, classroom day tomorrow, and then the game coming up on Saturday. But um, we're going to head out there in, in just a little bit and spend some time with that. Uh, the month of February is also very important for the Jaguars, okay? The 20th of February is when Trent Bulky and the Jacksonville Jaguars can designate a franchise or transition tag on any one of their pending free agents. The most obvious man there is Josh Allen. Others will say Calvin Ridley. That's going to raise my my blood pressure right out of the gate, okay? And, you know, I, I'm going to get into this a little bit later on, but we talked about it. It was either yesterday or Tuesday. Really got into Calvin Ridley and really got into T. Higgins and, and kind of the um, – the entire operation around Calvin, the good, the bad, the indifferent. And you've seen the good, albeit it wasn't nearly what I expected it to be. There wasn't the explosive plays. There wasn't the game-breaking long touchdowns that I envisioned. Uh, The criticisms have been told, okay? Yards after catch. Did he put on enough weight? Did he impress everyone in the building as far as his attention to detail, his knowledge of the plays that he was supposed to run, um, his route running. There's just so many. And I noticed that earlier today, Walter Camp put out something that was very similar to what we talked about earlier in the week and, and also how Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence probably needs to whether it includes Calvin Ridley or it does not include Calvin Ridley, it's time to get a big body wide receiver in here for Trevor Lawrence, right? Get a six foot four, six foot three and a half, six foot four, six foot four and some change. Time for a big body guy. You look at the Jaguars wide receivers. I mean, they were among the smallest in the NFL. What do you have? Agnew in Washington at 5'10". What's Kirk? 5'11". I see Calvin Ridley listed at 6-1? What? Are you kidding me? Calvin Ridley 6-1? Zay Jones is 6-2, but he's not coming back. He's not going to be a part of this. So uh, the long way around it is me saying you can't put a franchise tag on Calvin Ridley. You can't allow Calvin Ridley to just come and go as he wants, not be here in the month of August because franchise tag guys, that's the role that they play. I think there's enormous pressure on them for the National Football League Players Association to to do it that way. I feel if Josh Allen misses the month and when he does report, he'll be okay. You know, that hole he needs to get in football shape. Sure, he's in great shape, but he's not in football shape. Maybe a little bit of that, but I but I do think Josh is going to be all right. Calvin Ridley? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Do not trust it. And... The only thing I can look at is what he did this past year. So, again, the 20th, that's only 19 days away. That is an important date as well for the entire NFL, and that includes the Jaguars, who have certainly used that tag uh, as, you know, recent history. Just look at Cam Robinson a couple of times and look at 
Evan Ingram. All right, sad day in God's country, the passing of 11. That is Mike Martin Sr., very decorated head coach. Excuse me, very decorated manager. Uh, you, You read Terry Francona's book by Dan Shaughnessy. It's a tremendous read. And I still can't believe the Red Sox outed him for um, prescription medication and painkillers after bringing that franchise a World Series for the first time in 86 years. But that's filthy Boston media. The media is not filthy in Tallahassee. The media is very protective. And Mike Martin was a phenomenal human being. He was. Um, This man was all about Florida State, a a career where he won the most games, historically speaking, in Division I baseball. 2029 for Mike Martin. Lost 736 games, had 40 ties, or excuse me, four ties over 40 years. Um, The big blemish for Mike is he took his team to 17 College World Series, and somehow Florida State couldn't win it. It's it's almost as if you got to be kidding me. I mean, we'll talk about the Bills going to four Super Bowls. So we'll look at Bobby Cox winning the NHL, uh, the the um, National League East every year, but only winning that one World Series. Or um, certainly Dean Smith every year getting into a Sweet Sixteen, but only winning a couple of national titles. Bobby Bowden, fourteen consecutive top four finishes, but only won a couple. Mike Martin couldn't win one, and, and, and I hate that here I am beginning my conversation and my respect and somewhat of, a, a, of an eulogy for, for Mike Martin, but you, you just can't tell the story without that. And unfortunately, that's something that he is always going to take with him. He, he couldn't win the World Series in Omaha, I, um, you know, I, I, I tell the story often, and it's a true story. I had an opportunity to take some swings, and I wasn't guaranteed anything, and I didn't do it because Ronald Lewis uh, out of Jackson was a left fielder, and he was a star wide receiver, and Deion Sanders was their center fielder, and I just never did, and, and I have no regrets, but I wish I, I, I could have said I went into the cage and took some swings at Dick Hauser because it would have been a much better story to tell later when I began covering this team and I was lucky enough to go on the road with the late Lee Bowen and be the color analyst in some big games. And that was the Mankiewicz, J.D. Drew, Mike Martin Jr. Um, you know, uh, the list just goes on and on and on. Scooby Morgan. I mean, so so their current uh, head coach now, Link Chair, I just – it was a really good team. It was really good guys, and I and I got to know them. They were so competitive uh, back then. So selfishly, I, I wish I would have given it a shot. Obviously, I never would have made the team, but it would have been a cooler uh, tale to tell. And Mike Martin would laugh uh, whenever we would get into that later here and there. But he was just such a a genuine human being. And as I said to uh, the folks during crosstalk a couple of minutes ago, I I think it would have been understood more in as far as the fans were concerned if it was a couple of things. Number one, we're talking about baseball. And baseball to many is a fringe sport. It's no longer the great American pastime. 
I love it. JJ loves it. Uh, there's a few others in this building who absolutely love it, but it's not all of us. It's not the younger generation. I always felt that at Florida State, baseball was far and away number two. It was bigger than basketball. And, you know, my, my uh, respect and admiration for Mike Martin and Bobby Bowden has been told time and again. I was actually friends with Pat Kennedy. I was beer-drinking friends with Pat Kennedy, okay? And he had great he had a great uh, tenure and a great run, albeit nothing compared to Bowden and, uh, and Martin. But I used to talk to Pat Kennedy about this. Why are you number three? Why is baseball so far ahead? And it was at Florida State. But my point on Mike Martin is if you didn't have Bobby Bowden, I think you would have been recognized for being one of the great human beings to be a coach, teacher, that we have seen around here in the past century. He was such a likable guy. Now, you could get on his wrong side, and he'd get after you time and again, but for the most part, and he stood by his team. He took every punch. Like any manager, he was always second-guessed, and I, I think the, the big problem that you'll probably get now, because you got it then, behind closed doors, when you start to get into this a little bit, was was Martin's way of of handling his pitching staff. Very criticized, leaving starters in way, way too long. Then all of a sudden it got to a point where it felt like uh, he was making the quick hook, bringing guys out uh, before their time. And, you know, we could talk about Dusty Baker, for crying out loud. I, I remember working in Chicago all those years where, where the big rap on Dusty Baker as to why at that time he couldn't win the big one. You know, he couldn't manage the bullpen. Uh, we talked about Bobby Cox every year. The guy had Glavin, man. The guy had Smoltz. He had Maddox. He always had a fourth starter, right? Millwood or Avery. I mean, the Braves were loaded with positional players. Power and speed. What was their Achilles heel? Didn't have a great closer. Didn't have an outstanding bullpen. So this has been something that has been criticized forever and ever and ever. But that really did, um, I, I think, become probably the biggest issue that those who begin to say it's never going to happen with 11. And you need a better in-game manager. You need a better in-game decision maker when it comes to, in fact, is uh, is on the bump and uh, who's warming up uh, down in the bullpen. Still, just, um, you know, J.D. Drew, uh, his brother Stephen Drew, the top overall pick one year by the New York Mets and, uh, and Paul Wilson, that great rotation with him and, uh, and Jonathan Johnson and, and others. Some of the names escape me. There's yet to be a Hall of Famer out of Florida State. I think there's a real good chance that that could change in a couple of years uh, with Buster Posey, who was a fantastic uh, baseball player. I said I went back and forth a little bit earlier today with Doug Mankiewicz. He says he's not ready uh, to speak on this right now. It's, um, he, his, his emotions are running a little bit too high. Uh, but Mankiewicz, um, that left-handed bat, man, you had those three lefties. And J.D. Drew, Doug Mankiewicz, and, and Mike Martin Jr., and you had that short porch that led to the circus over the right field wall. Uh, and it was imposing. And that was back in the days where you had like unlimited games. 
Yeah, let, just let me pull this up real quick. Yeah, I mean, it, towards the end of his career, it got, you know, his final year was 2019. He went 42 and 23. But you look at some of the, 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 the earlier years, uh, well, maybe, maybe I got it wrong here. I just thought they played more baseball games in the 90s. Let's see, 53 and 22, 53 and 16, 52 and 17. I mean, 67 games in one year. Let's see what they wrapped up with. Uh, actually, would have been 60. All right, so I, I guess I was wrong. I was just under the impression that they maybe played more games in the 80s, 90s, and into the, uh, the change of the millennium. It appears that uh, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Although they did play over 70 games early on. I mean, they were 60 and 14 in 2002. 60 and 14. And actually got bounced out in the NCAA Super Regional uh, that particular year. That that was a stretch of 74, let's see, 78, uh, 71, 73. So, yeah, there was a little bit more played in, in that particular time than, um, you know, towards the very end of his career. Uh, but that's, you know, that's what it will be like now um, when you look back at this man. He, uh, he was born in Charlotte, and, you know, he – was a guy that played a couple of different sports. He actually went to a junior college, uh, Wingate Junior College. Then he transferred over to Florida State, where he played two years in 1965 and 66, uh, hit 354 that year, and went to the College World Series as a player. Let's see, after that, he was drafted by the New York Mets, kind of went around minor leagues a little bit, Right, uh, played in the Florida State League, played out in Greenville, Winter Haven. Um, let's see here uh, for the Rocky Mount Leafs. So we played for about five years, and that was it. Uh, maybe the most interesting part of all of this is a lot of people will forget that Mike Martin began his coaching career as a basketball coach. Okay, at Tallahassee Community College in 1970. Then he went off to Godby High School. In 1971, Woody Woodward brought him in as an assistant in 1975. And he was there from 1975 to 1979. And in 1980, he became the manager um, at Florida State. Um, You know, went from Woody Woodward to Dick Hauser. And then it became Mike Martin. And he would stay on as the head coach at Florida State from 1980 to 2019. Unfortunately, dementia got him, and uh, he does leave us today at the age of 79. He would have been 80 in two weeks, Mike Martin. I know we all say good things about people when they leave. It's just something that we do. But he was, he deserves so much as to what he's going to receive. What a, a, and he meant it to his players. So I'm just glad I got to know him. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I knew him um, as well as I knew Pat Kennedy or I knew him as well as I knew Bobby Bowden. They were a little bit more personal. Martin, I thought, was guarded somewhat with the media, but still his uh, his availability and the access that, that he left us was just phenomenal. But, you know... I don't know what else I can say. I, I, I knew that this was going to come when he went into, uh, into hospice and thoroughly enjoyed 
getting things started in my career, learning under Mike Martin, and uh, he will be sorely missed. There's no doubt about it. He left an impression on a tremendous amount of people. All you do is look around today, go to Twitter, and see all of the colleges, see all the universities who have reached out to Florida State to offer condolences. Um, you would expect that with former players and maybe some members of the media, what have you. But I mean, it, it, it seems, I mean, beginning with Clemson on down, it just felt like uh, reading that earlier today that everyone had something nice to say about 11, the passing of Mike Martin. All right, Shmunez Vision, uh, that is Shmunez Vision. They do give you um, our opening comments each and every night. They're a family organization, they focus on personal, high quality medical. And surgical eye care. Thinking back on it now, boy, I could have used Schmunez back in those days when I was uh, doing radio as a color analyst on some of those big road Florida State games. All right. I'm trying to remember when I actually did get the contacts for the first time. Well, that's what you think of, right? When it comes to your eyes, it's simply, hey, I need a new prescription. Uh Uh-uh. You can get that. No doubt about it. But it's so much more than that. What about if things with your eyes begin to go sideways on you could be an issue with your cornea could be something with the cataract that uh you know someone's telling you oh, someone had cataract surgery it didn't go well and there's been um side effects and you know they wish they never did it yeah i mean that's that is problematic i understand your fear there i understand that you could be tepid that's why you need to be able to trust the folks who are with your eyes and that is schmunez vision you can look at everything by going to schmunezvision.com that is schmunezvision.com. Everything right there. Explain to you what they offer. And it is a tremendous organization, a family organization located out the beach. Look at them today by going to Schmunez Vision online. All right, coming up next, your response to Mike Martin? Absolutely. Give it to us. 641-1010 on the text line. Let's go live to Mobile. Damian Parsons joins us live from the Senior Bowl. He goes into the night with Rick Belit. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Senior Bowl week. Busy one out of Mobile. Let's go live. Bring in our good buddy Damian Parsons. Does an outstanding job. Also goes by the full-time Dame on Twitter. And I've been enjoying everything. That has been coming out of the Senior Bowl. Uh, always a pleasure, Damien, as he joins Rick Ballou. How you doing, young man? I am doing good, Rick. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. And I, I love the early vibe there that it was, you know, all about the offensive line and, and doing some good things. Um, I love all the talk at center with Jackson Powers Johnson. Take us through that and, and also update us. I know he left yesterday. I guess it was an undisclosed injury. Yeah, uh, I think it was an undisclosed injury. Haven't got too much word on what actually transpired, but like for the week uh, that he was having, like he, he was playing great football. You know, um, just being able to handle different style rushers. He's strong, heavy-handed, but also has the lateral footwork to mirror and match rushers. He was impressive, right? Because one of the toughest guys uh, at here for the defensive line is Ohio State's Michael Hall Jr. And he's, like, really quick, explosive, agile. And that was the one guy that he couldn't get past was uh, Jackson Powers. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, around here, that's the biggest concern, in my opinion, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It it was a a year in which they set themselves back a little bit, and that included Trevor Lawrence with the injuries. But they struggled to run. They struggled to pass protect. 
I just look at the game on Sunday, the AFC, with Tyler Linderbaum and now Creed Humphrey. I mean, a couple of first-round picks, a couple of day ones slotted in as starters, and they both have been very productive. Uh, give us your overall feeling on what Jackson Powers Johnson could be this year for any team that drafts him. I think he's a day-one starter. I think he can play both, because I think he's, if I remember correctly, in one-on-ones, he took snaps at center and at guard. So I think this is a guy that was going that can immediately improve for one the physicality, the power, um, and, and the ability to keep work as that bumper for his uh, teammates. I know he has a rep on tape that I think went viral recently where um, someone was watching his film and uh, he he was uncovered, didn't have a defensive lineman uh, to block, and you know he ended up having uh, you know his I think it was his uh, right tackle, mm-hmm. uh, you know his teammate beside him. And he just gave that. Gave that defender just a chicken wing, just a nice little elbow to the ribs, and the guy just went flying and fell to the ground. So he brings power. He's intelligent. Like he's a very like his patience and process is really good. And I think he would be to me. I think he's a day day one starter for interior offensive line, whether at guard or center, to definitely improve uh, what you have already, especially from pass protection. You got to keep Trevor Lawrence upright, and you got to be able to create some run lanes. For the run game. All right, talking about that elbow. So, is there some nastiness in him? I think so. Yeah, you, you see, you see flashes of it. Of course, uh, he he blocks to the whistle. A guy that runs his feet. Um, I really, I'm really impressed with him. I like what he's what he brings to the table. And I think this is a guy that you know seems like everything I heard. He's a high character young man, hard worker, a leader, and those are the things that those are the intangibles that goes with a really good skill set that you love. Damian Parson, our guest, joining us live from the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Of course, you can get everything from him. Just go to the Draft Network, or you can go to a Full-Time Dame on Twitter, uh, which is DP underscore NFL, uh, to get everything from Damian Parson. All right, my understanding is that when he did go out with that undisclosed injury, uh, he was replaced a, a lot by uh, Christian Haynes out of the University of Connecticut, a guy who, who as well, I guess, was a tackle in stores, uh, stores Connecticut, but worked at guard, worked at center. Did you see anything positive out of him over the last three days? Yes, no, uh, 100%. Uh, lateral quickness. Uh, he's a, I, I talked to him last night for a little bit as well. Very, um, <clears throat> he, he, he plays with a little bit of an edge. Uh, very secure and confident young man. Powerful hands. Like his latch uh, strength, once he gets his hands fitted into a guy, he can stonewall. He had a rep against the LSU defensive lineman that, for those who watched the broadcast, probably saw it. Also went viral um, as well, where they got into it. The, the lineman, you know, the LSU guy took his helmet, uh, took you know Haynes' helmet and threw it away from him into a, like the crowd of people, and the coaches had to kind of separate the two. But what I loved was Haynes' response, and it was like, "Listen, if you're scared, go to church." Like and it was just like, "Okay, that's how you respond to someone that." <laughs> angry because you kind of you own that rep you know he, he gave up a little bit of ground and that happens right like you know interior offensive linemen guys get their hands fitted first and they can kind of walk you back a little bit but you saw the ability to drop that anchor show full body strength and like i said the hand strength because that defensive lineman even though he created a surge he couldn't detach he couldn't get he could not become unblocked and hands end up like winning the rest of that rep so i just love the power in his hands i love the physical demeanor that he brings and also that calmness because he didn't you know some guys react so crazy when some, if someone does that it can really turn can get ugly 
he just stared at the guy. And, you know, he put, gave, cracked a little bit of a smile, but he had that type of confidence that was like, no, like, in that quote, you're scared, go to church, because this isn't the place for you. Yeah, I love that, no doubt about it. Again, talking with our uh, pal Damian Parson, joining us live from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. All right, overall, just, you know, when you look at prospects and you look at talent and, and what Jacksonville needs to do, and, you know, I, I'm starting to read a lot of this mock stuff, and I see a corner, and I see a wide receiver, and I and I see all that, and I'm like, okay, but I, I, I still believe that they have to address the offensive line ahead of everything else. Just kind of take us through some other players there that have impressed you on the offensive line. Uh, Kingsley Sulmatia. Uh, tackle out of BYU. He can play left and right. Um, very athletic, strong young man. Uh, he had some really good reps. Um, uh, I can't remember the rush that he faced, but he ended up you know, kind of putting someone with one hand into the dirt uh, off of a counter. He can get vertical in his drops, in his pass protection. Very uh, good hands in terms of skilled hands and keeping his self protected, closing the, the space between him and the tackle, uh, him and the uh, defensive player. Um, I really like Felice Fawaga. He's more of a right tackle. Uh, out of Oregon State, you know, 6'5", 330, uh, you know, 34-inch-plus uh, on the arm. Another guy, very aggressive, very physical. And everything I've, like, everything I've heard is that the Jacksonville Jaguars need to be more physical on the front line, and he would bring that. He's got nastiness to him. Uh, got it, like, he doesn't back down from any challenges, but also he's, very, he's one of the best run-blocking tackles in this class. Yes, do I think he could kick down in that guard? Sure. No. Am I putting him there? No. I'm leaving him in a tackle because he showcased the footwork, the foot quickness to be able to deal with, and he's play, he, he's faced now twice. Uh, Late Tulatu, who's uh, arguably the top edge rusher in this class, and he's one of the guys that kind of gave Late Tulatu some issues in their battles. Late Tulatu was able to get him, you know, be able to win some reps against him. Uh, you know, I think it was yesterday in one-on-ones and everything, but I think Talese Fuwaga would be a great addition to that offensive line, and, you know, for one, I think he can help protect uh, Trevor, but also again being physical, being nasty, bringing some more grit to that uh, to that offensive line to keep the run game going. If they were to look <clears throat> at like another center guard uh, situation, Tanner Bortolini, uh, Wisconsin. We all know they may not have the best offense, they may not have great quarterback play, but they always have good offensive line. And that's just a, that's just what it is over there in the Big Ten with with, with uh, Wisconsin. And you know, last year they had Joe Tipman who's a 6'6", 320-pound uh, center. This young man's a little bit shorter, not as uh, big physically, but he's strong, good, you know, good anchor, moves his feet laterally. He can mirror guys as well. Um, he's more of a, I would say, third, fourth, you know, round type of guy at earliest, but someone that can, you can draft. He may not start right away, but he's definitely going to help the offensive line. But also, if he falls, I don't know if he will, but Tyler Guyton, out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This young man, 6'7", 320, 30 pounds, 30, almost like, I think he almost like 35 inches on the arm. And like, typically you see guys listed as something on the website and then you see him in person like, oh, he's not, you know, no, he's a legit 6'7", guys, I promise you. He's a legit 6'7". <laughs> uh, but he's a former tight end converted to tackle and that athleticism did not go away. But he's also physical, violent, and aggressive in the run game as well. And he brings energy and juice to your offensive line. There was a rep in uh, teams, I believe it was yesterday, where he sprung, he, he sealed off a rusher, sprung the running back, and then he turns, he sees this guy downfield, and he's just like starts kind of skipping and jogging, and he's like 
screaming at the top of his lungs, like just really a, a, energy, a ball of energy. And you know what I mean? So a guy that that's gonna wake up the offensive line, and he wants to he wants to battle. So he's one of, like he's one of the biggest risers here. I don't know if he'll be available at the, the Jaguars pick because I think he made himself a lot of money. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Great stuff as always, uh, uh, Damian. Hey, leave us with uh, you know, and I've seen some of this as far as videos, but I want your opinion. What have you seen out of Florida State's Keon Coleman and uh, and Johnny Wilson? So Keon Coleman, he didn't make the trip. Uh, he's training for the combine. Johnny Wilson, Johnny Wilson, he I think the first day was a little. Um, he had like a, a concentration drop or two, which is something that we were a little concerned with on tape. But you know, he stacked back to back days. You know, uh, especially yesterday for a guy that's six seven, six 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 seven, two thirty. And, like, you know, you're putting some of these smaller 5'10", 5'11", like, really quick twitch athletes at corner, one-on-one at press, and just watching him literally just run by them and just beat them at the snap, beat them off the ball, be able to sink his hips at that size and height, sink his hips, get in and out of break and drive, but also make those contested catches, which for him aren't really contested because no one's up there in the sky in the clouds like he is, right? So if you put a helmet or higher, it's pretty much out of the earth atmosphere. So he has an incredible wingspan, height ratio, and he just had a good day yesterday, especially. And um, I, I was really excited, you know, for him because I wanted to see him just kind of just go out there and be a big body receiver, be dominant. And I think he did that yesterday. Outstanding. Make sure you get everything from uh, Damian Parson. You can go to um, obviously the uh, the Draft Network, but you can also get him directly on. Twitter, and that is at DP underscore NFL. Damien, always a lot of fun. Enjoy yourself out there with that game coming up on Saturday, and uh, I know we'll do it again here real soon. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Here he goes. Good stuff. Love it. Man, he tell you what, he popped a lot of energy into that offensive line prospects that uh, that we discussed. Um, it, you know, full warning, or as David Lee Roth said, fair warning. All right. When I do all this draft stuff, until they decide what they're doing in free agency and when it comes to restructuring contracts, which would could include Cam, could include Sheriff, all right? And uh, I'm going to get to this hopefully a bit later on today, if not tomorrow, but Pro Football Focus did a real good job breaking down the premier free agents that the Jaguars have, and it included Ezra Cleveland, who's in a position to make more money than I think most of you out there thought, because I certainly felt that way. But, you know, it's always, all right, 17, what do you think? Oh, all right, you like a corner? Oh, you like a pass? Right? All that? No. I'm doing it a little bit differently this year. This team is not going to get to the next level until they fix that offensive line. You just heard Damian Parson talk about it. You know, he was kind. Where they're not really physical. They're not really mean. They're soft. You know it. You're driving on. You see it every Sunday. This is a soft offensive. You know, look at the overexposure. It was finally cool to see when that happened, when you had the lost helmet, who lost the helmet? And then Cam went crazy. I guess it was Cam who lost it. I'm trying to remember the exact uh, situation where, you know, they went back and forth at the end of the year, and I, I thought it was arguably 
the most impressive thing we saw all season with the offensive line, that there was a little bit of fight there. And it, you know, ended up being a 15-yard penalty, I think, both ways. I'm trying to remember what that do – you, do you remember what that was, what that situation was? I don't was? remember the specifics. With the helmet getting ripped off, was it uh, Was it Baltimore? Um, it was a big-name player. One of our listeners will remember it and give it to us at 6411010 on the, uh, on the text line. But, I mean, and, and that was really celebrated. And I was among those who celebrated it. I thought it was kind of cool to see that there was a little bit of fight there, but that has been lacking uh, with this football team for years. So we'll cover everything, but I'm just letting you know straight up that most of my uh, emphasis is going to be on the offensive line because that is the position group that has to be fixed if this team is going to be able to move uh, to the next level. All right, let me get back. We got much more to do. Uh, we're going to take you up until 8 o'clock tonight. Next hour, we're going to go live to Las Vegas, take a look at uh, some of the early props on this year's Super Bowl. Also, where is the money gone during the off week? All of that right here on 1010XL and 92, uh, 92.5 FM. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. We got an East-West Shrine Bowl game tonight as well, so uh, if you're starving for it, uh, you'll get it tonight, you'll get it on Saturday, and that's it for the college world outside of the Combine and Pro Days, which are entertaining. Uh, Reports about the quarterbacks out there haven't looked all that good, particularly Bo Nix. I guess Michael Penix has made some throws that have blown some folks away, but there's been some uh, inconsistency. Again, you don't have to be concerned with that right now. All right. Trevor's your quarterback this year. I believe they'll pick up the fifth-year option. Will they get a deal done at some point? The hopeful answer to that question is yes, because he turns the corner. Not a good year, but I'm going to stick with the offensive line. Hell, I went back on uh, Twitter and looked for my uh, my tweet on the the play I was talking about. It, it was actually on um, New Year's Eve. It was home here against Carolina, and I, I put on Twitter maybe the proudest moment this year for the O line. Love the respect and response, or love the response by Harrison after the cheap shot by Brown. That would have been Derek Brown, right, of the Carolina Panthers. After the uh, the cheap shot by Brown, Cam shouldn't have been thrown out. Brown clearly ripped off his helmet first. That game will stick out because they lost five of six. They won that day uh, in in dominant fashion. But it, but I did. I I thought that 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 um, as I said on the tweet, it was for me the proudest moment of this group all year, and. This reputation, you know, I, I, I do want to say this. I did a lot of, uh, as I do every day, a lot of reading today and, you know, trying to get the ins and outs of the Senior Bowl. You get the sense that some people are doing it from their couch. You get others who are there. And just because you're there, it, it's, uh, it, let me say this from experience, that when I watch Jaguars training camp, 
and you got 90 guys working out, and I'll get a question every night, what's this guy doing? What's that guy? It's impossible to see it all. It really is. But being there, you get a better feel if you are actually doing your job, right? If you're actually paying attention. If, if, if you're on the sideline and you're talking about, you know, where the great restaurant is in Mobile or where the gentleman's club is in Mobile and you got your body and your head turned away from the field. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of tomfoolery involved. Um, and then there are those who are fully engrossed, who watch every rep and, and, and try to figure out what is going on. Well, anyway, I... Did a lot of reading today. I referenced Walter Camp, okay? Uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, there was some really interesting things. Uh, A couple of fantasy websites, which I'm a non-fantasy guy, but still, they they, they had uh, one that dealt with a a trade uh, of Walker Little going to the Raiders. That was actually in Bleacher Report, excuse me. It was a fantasy website that talked about just flat-out cutting. Darius Williams, you know, last night we had the conversation I did with Dave Campbell about whether or not he thinks he can play uh, the, um, you know, whether he, whether or not he can play as a, a press cover corner, you know, a man-to-man cover. I, I guess my long approach of trying to get out what I'm uh, wanting to get out, there feels like there's much more attention on Jacksonville. And... That's a good thing because a couple of years ago when they were the top pick, it was Jacksonville has problem after problem after problem after problem, but they had the top pick, right? Those who have been long fans of this franchise, it felt like you would always have it on the Cowboys and the Bears and all the the premier teams and what have you, and then there'd be just a tiny little taste with Jacksonville. That's not the case now. Because there are so many interesting decisions that this team is going to have to make. And again, they've had consecutive winning seasons. They did fall short and they blew up at the end of the year. But it still was, in a lot of circles, a successful year. Not for you, the local fans. But compared to what this franchise has done, certainly in the entire Shad Khan era. And despite that, you still get the feeling that this is going to be a hot seat season for both Bulky and Peterson. So I'm just loving the fact that, you know, I've been doing this forever and, and trying to get information on, on Jacksonville uh, besides the obvious, hey, they got the top pick, what are they going to do, um, has been tricky. But with free agents and restructuring and, and, and dealing with the salary cap and on top of that, the NFL draft, there just seems that like there's much more this year, so I I just think that's a good thing. That was just my overall thought on it. Um, all right, we're getting ready to go to the top of the hour. Uh, I do want to add this that uh, it is now official. Everything is set as far as the head coaches uh, with Dan Quinn now going to Washington D.C. I mean, this is a guy that was really talked about. There was no question he was going to get himself a job. Uh, but then, you know, things went sideways, particularly at the end of the year, including the playoffs. And he did a decent job during his time in Dallas, but he is now out and he will go within the division, within the, and, uh, you know, within the, uh, the eastern uh, side of things here in the NFC 
and go from Dallas to Washington. So a second opportunity for Dan Quinn. And that is it as far as head coaches, at least at this point, unless something crazy was to take place. Remember, Adam Peters was named as the general manager, mm, what, two weeks, two and a half weeks or so ago? When you're bad consistently, that's how it's supposed to be. A general manager and a head coach at the same time. And it's obviously not that way around here. It hasn't been that way around here. And I'm not going to commend the commanders because it feels like they're probably the worst organization, the worst franchise right now in the NFL, despite the fact that they're worth a ton. They've just made major mistake after mistake after mistake. All right, we got much more to do, including our second hour. If you want to join the show, the best way to do it is on the text line. That is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. All right, we're really busy today, no doubt about it, as we go into the night right here, our second hour. We'll do it till 8 as as well to Las Vegas in uh, about 35, 40 minutes. We'll check the very latest on the money as we get closer to Super Bowl 58. And, of course, all of the props that you can play as well. Rafael Esparza will join us. All right, a very busy first hour, giving you everything on the Senior Bowl coming up from uh, Mobile, Alabama on Saturday. Also, a very difficult day for so many back in God's country with the passing of 11. That is Mike Martin, who did die today at the age of 79, two weeks away from his 80th birthday. Matt Clements uh, played at Florida State, and I went to school with Matt. We are both criminology graduates, and truth be known, I used to want to hang with Matt Clements, but I wasn't nearly cool enough during those days to get it done with him. And he joins us here as we go into the night. Matt, how are you? Well, brother, don't sell yourself short. You were eminently cool. And uh, anytime you wanted to hang out, I was there for you. Man, those are good days, no doubt about it. But I know you have a heavy heart, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, this evening, Matt, with the passing of your manager. Not afraid to say I, was, uh, I, ha- I have been a mess all the day um but the opportunity to talk about 11 bring a little bit of knowledge to other folks is uh is really special so thank you very much for having me on well my pleasure now you know tell us about him and your story's an interesting one as well but just the relationship and what it was like to play for mike martin you know i was a i was a kid from new jersey who came down not a whole lot of talent but a lot of hustle uh 84 before i even really got started i busted myself up uh, went home to New Jersey after that year, played for a year and a half NAIA ball just to get healthy and get back, and then had an opportunity to walk on in 87, uh, played uh, 88, 89, went to the College World Series in Omaha, and that entire time, you know, 11 was my guy, man. I was there for his 500th win, and I'll never forget uh, that was in 88, and he he's getting his stuff off the top shelf of the dugout after we're done. And I sheepishly walk up behind him and I say, uh, uh, 11 c- congratulations, sir. I'm nervous. You know, they get, the guy's kind of a, a legend even then. And he turns around and he says, well, Maddie, you betcha Bubba and you're a big part of it, son. And that's, that's just 11 to a T. The right. bottom line is he never thought about himself. Always thought about his team, always valued his team. And I'm talking about a bullpen catcher. Mm-hmm. And that guy took great care of me. I will tell you that in 88, later on that year, June 3rd, I lost my father. 
so going back after that summer, getting back in 89, uh, you know, 11 was more than just a coach to me. And uh, he always will be. He taught me so much about being a good Christian man, a good man. Yeah, a better ball player, but just a better human being. And uh, I'll never forget him for that. That's a fact. I was in school during those years. It was an unbelievable time. Now, uh, you know, just your your ability to, to to come back after an injury and to walk on from New Jersey. I mean, this this team was filled with incredible talent. If my memory serves me correct, you had Ronald Lewis and left, and Deion Sanders in center, and so many other great ball players from this state. Um, what was it like for you to come from far away and play? You know, he had that New Jersey connection. You know, we had Frankie Fazzini in years before that, and of course Barry Blackwell was there, and he was he was leading our catcher's room. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barry was a New Jersey guy from Summit, New Jersey. He's down in Sarasota now, but uh, he saw talent where he saw talent. I don't know what he saw in me besides a lot of heart. And uh, he gave me an opportunity, and I tried to maximize it every opportunity I got. And he'd get in there, uh, he'd get me in there swinging a bat, and I'd I'd hit that ball as hard as I could make something happen best I could. And he knew he'd always get that out of me. And I think that's what it was all about. Yeah. He knew all his players would give him their best every time they had an opportunity. And uh, he valued that quite a bit. And he, again, valued us as, as people, as young men growing up, a lot like Bobby Bowden. I mean, honestly, they were very similar. You know, we'd have Sunday chapel, uh, you know, before a double header and uh, different coaches, different bosses would come in and, and give us scripture and Bobby Bowden would do it. And Mike Martin himself would do it, and uh, very similar in that they wanted to, they wanted good men coming out of the out of the program, and men with college degrees as well. There was there was no funny business when it came to that. Matt Clements, our guest, uh, a longtime police officer here. You, you're not on the the force any longer, correct, Matt? No, my uh, I did 25. We finished up July 1 of 2016, and uh, of course, any JSO members listening to this broadcast right now, uh, uh, I love you, brothers and sisters, always will, and. Uh, uh, just a great opportunity to serve in that wonderful agency, and I enjoyed, and it was an honor to serve the citizens of Jacksonville. Yeah, no doubt. I got I got a text a little bit earlier from uh, from TK Waters, uh, obviously the sheriff, and everything he's doing as well. But Matt, I'm I'm glad that you touched upon that because I said it at the beginning of the show. Mike Martin, there were so many similarities between him. And, and Bobby Bowden, and, and I learned that when I started doing my radio show there and was lucky enough to uh, to travel uh, for big games with the late Lee Bowen and, and do some color analyst work during Florida State games. Bowden's, uh, you know, his, his way about him, how charisma he was, um, I think overshadowed Mike Martin a little bit, but those two were eerily similar. They really were, and I think 11... 11- uh, I think sometimes he got a bad rap, you know, because it, it, Maddie, Bubba, how are you, son? But that was absolute, that was as genuine as my sprinting down to the bullpen to warm somebody up, right? Which people would say, that guy's kooky. But that was just what that team was like. It was, I don't know, I don't know if you remember that 89 team very well, but it was a bunch of overachievers, honestly, talent wise, you know, because Dion and Ronnie, those guys were gone by then. Uh, and it was a bunch of players you never heard of that, that, Succeeded in going to Omaha, having a great season. And that's because 11 continued to drive us, but in his way, you know, in his way. I, I, I'll i tell you, in 87, I'm swinging a stick in fall ball, and uh, I pop out, irritated. I run down the line, and, and a word that begins with S and rhymes with it comes out of my mouth, and it wasn't very nice. 
uh, and Eleven says, "BB, talk to him." And BB was Barry Blackwell. So surely Barry Blackwell meets me in the dugout. He says, "Hey, Maddie, the fastest way off this team is to be cursing." Mm. And I go, "Are you kidding me?" Because I'm from Jersey. I'm like, "You kidding me?" Yeah. And he says, "No, no, no. It's the quickest way." I'm like, "Okay." And 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 that's the kind of guy Mike Martin was. He just yeah. wanted to mold you into the kind of person that would be. Uh, not only useful in society, but uh, a genuine contributor, even if you weren't playing ball anymore. And golly, I owe that guy so much. And, and, uh, and again, he kind of stood in as that second father for me in that, that really, that tender time, you know, when we lose a dad and it, it's the next year, for goodness sake. Uh, golly, I'll never forget him, brother. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I know he meant a lot to you. He meant a lot to so much. Uh, as we let you go, Matt, um, so many times he was asked about 17 trips to Omaha never being able to to win it. I always got the sense that it hurt people like you. It hurt the players. It hurt the fans more than it actually did 11. Am I correct there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I You've seen my Facebook posts over the years when they were back at Omaha. And, you know, I, I wanted it so badly for him because I just felt like if anybody deserved it, uh, what a good man. And he did so many good things. And of course, look, the other collegiate records are, I don't know if they ever get touched in this day and age with the differences in, in, in how you hire coaches, right? We're, we're out of those Bowden, Mike Martin days. I don't know if they ever get touched and, and, and they're absolutely a precipice in college baseball, but I, I wanted him to have that victory there and he deserved it. He was a great coach. He brought our steam there again, 17 times. Uh, you know, my year, we end up three in the nation. We'd have beat Texas the next day, but we, you know, we just didn't get there. That wasn't on Mike Martin, though. That was on some arms getting lazy and some legs getting not as quick as they were in the beginning of the season. Mm. You got to peak at the right time, and that's not always on the coach. Yeah. So th- it, that's how I would respond to that. But you're right. I, I don't. He was secure in what he was as a man, as a coach, as a human being, and, uh, my goodness, he had every right to be. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, Matt, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate a few moments of your time. Let's catch up soon. It's been my honor. Thanks again for having me on board, and uh, and uh, miss you, Jacksonville. Hope everybody there as well. There he goes, Matt Clements, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, played for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, we went to school together, both uh, both criminology graduates. He used his uh, 25 years. Uh, protecting and serving right here in Jacksonville. I, I used to do a lot of things with Matt as well around the guns and hoses of uh, the years that I was a uh, a judge uh, for the guns and hoses. But, um, yeah, I knew Matt at Florida State. No, those are some really, really good teams. And, uh, you know, Matt was a little choked up there, I thought. As I said earlier, I I, uh, I went back and forth with, uh, with Doug Minkiewicz today, and he just said, no way, too soon. Can't do it. And... You know, I want to put it in perspective, too. This isn't a shock. They knew that he had been suffering. They knew that he had dementia. They knew that he went into hospice two weeks ago. And it still has this type of uh, effect on a, on a lot of people, a lot of his former players. I, I said earlier I thought they played more games back then. They did. Here, here I am looking at 81 men. They were 56 and 23. A college baseball team that year played 79 games. Think about that. Um, And that's not even the high 
They were 59 and 23 and 85. 55 and 29. Yeah, so they did they did play a little bit more back then. But uh, anyway, Mike Martin uh, has passed at the age of 79. Uh, Hall of Fame career. The most wins ever in Division One baseball with uh, 2,029. Uh, had a record of 2,029, 736, and four ties. Won 11 Metro tournaments. Won eight ACC tournaments, um, nine ACC regular season uh, champions uh, championships, uh, two-time Baseball America Coach of the Year, six-time Metro Conference Coach of the Year, seven-time Atlantic Coast Conference Coach of the Year, and um, you know the the negative side will be seventeen trips to the College World Series. Uh, Miami was a major thorn. In his side, we always talk about the wide rights and the and whatever, but in, in baseball as well, uh, the Hurricanes uh, had their way often uh, with Florida State and Mike Martin. Great man, he is passed. Rest in peace, Mike Martin. He is gone at the age of seventy nine. Into the night with Rick Ballou on ten ten XL ninety two point five FM. So we have some breaking news, pretty sad breaking news in the NBA. Uh, Joel Embiid has suffered a torn meniscus in his left knee, so they're going to sit him for the rest of the weekend and then try to figure out how they want to attack the injury. There's a couple different choices. They could get uh, a whole meniscus repair, people were saying, would take like four to six months, but he could just get a procedure to take four to six weeks, so... It's not official that Embiid is out for the season, but it certainly doesn't look great for the uh, MVP of the league. Mm-hmm. Now, I was um, doing my thing last night, and I grabbed the phone, and I saw what I thought was a J.J. LaSelva angry text on the NBA. A tweet, yes. I uh, Excuse me, a tweet. Yeah, so if you go back to last season, they had to, at the end of the season they made a new rule that was like, Hey, you can only win MVP or be on the All-Pro team or All-NBA team if you play 65 out of 82 games. You have to reach a certain threshold of games played because they had such a problem with star players sitting out resting during like nationally televised games. So this Saturday, there was Embiid was going to play Jokic. It was supposed to be a big game. He sat out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now we know he was actually hurt. But that pissed me off. And then last night, there was just two random games that I wanted to watch on League Pass when I got home, and literally both stars in both games were sitting out due to rest. So it's that's just number one problem with the NBA is their regular season is unwatchable at times. A lot of fo- I, I love it. A lot of folks, um, you know, believe that the season is too long in the NBA, the season is too long in the NHL, the season is too long – in Major League Baseball, who was the one recently uh, who was complaining about that in baseball? Uh, oh, it's uh, it, it it was the guy they brought over from St. Louis to the Angels, who really is disappointed since he got the big time money. Uh, the former uh, uh, St. Louis Cardinals third baseman, I believe. Oh, you're talking about Rendon. He was yes. with Washington. Yeah, okay, Washington. Yeah. He goes St. Louis to Washington. Was he always? No, Washington? he went Washington to the Angels. Okay, and he, you, you know, he's like St. Louis to Washington. I'm not sure. He's like he, he. They play too many games or whatever, and it's like he, by the way, hasn't played in like years. I know. He's always. Well, hurt. didn't he go after a fan last year who criticized yes, him? Yes, I forgot about. He that. he pulled like his own little Ron Artest 
almost in a way. I don't know if he actually grabbed a fan or just confronted I remember that. Uh, a fan, but um, you want less games, right? The players want less games, which to me is 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 scary and it's disappointing because I'm such a numbers guy. I'm such a historical guy. We were talking about it last night with our guest Mike Sando talking about the Hall of Fame and Fred Taylor's chances. And if you look at all-time yards, Fred Taylor's next. They literally, everyone ahead of him, all 16, are in the Hall of Fame except for the two who are yet to be eligible and Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. Everyone else is in. I've only been a numbers guy. So if you play 162 games a year, okay, that allows you to to put up these numbers. And and the other side of it is there's no way that owners are going to say, all right, let's go from 162 to 140 and and lose 22 games a year, which would be, what, 11 home dates a year where you pay for those tickets and you're paying 15, 16, 18 bucks a beer and, and 10 bucks a hot dog. They don't want to lose the gate. So no one wants to lose any of this. Look at the NFL and all their argument with CTE. You know, CTE. Look at what they've done. They've added a 17th game and they've taken away a buy from both the AFC and NFC and added more wild card games. And and us, we love it. Well, don't you know? Don't you think like an 18th game is definitely coming too? <laughs> like that's that's right around the corner. Yeah. So I, if you get rid of a preseason game, I guess. Hopefully, I, 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 I don't know. I, uh, I just don't know. So Rendon, by the way, has averaged 50 games a year through the first four years of his $245 million contract that is fully guaranteed. What is his – was he strictly in D.C.? Or did he spend any time uh, in St. Let me Louis? Look it up. I, I, I may have missed on that. I, I thought he spent a little bit of time uh, in in the great market of, uh, of St. Louis. Anthony Rendon, wow, 33 years old. No, he just went for the Nats. Okay. He was with the Nats for a long That red, no. it can be confusing. <laughs> but he had like a sick year, like his last year with the Nats. He went to the All-Star game and was one, you know, MVP runner-up, I believe. So he was and here for the World threw, Series. Yeah, uh, they threw money at him. Mm-hmm. And he's just been hurt every year. It's the, the curse of the Angels, dude. They Harper, are just the worst offseason team, man. Bryce Harper left, and they won it. Yeah. Which is hard to believe. Yeah, so he was involved with a physical confrontation with a fan opening day against the A's. He was walking to the clubhouse. Rendon grabbed an A's fan by his shirt and accused him of heckling him during the game. Yeah, I, I remember. I saw it was viral. <laughs> It really was. He attempted to slap him before leaving with the team. He received only a four-game suspension. Hey, quick um, away from sports note, and I, I won't, I won't play spoiler on it. But have you seen Griselda yet on Netflix? Is that the name? Is it a show? The six-part series on the Black Widow, the cocaine godmother. Griselda Blanco. From Colombia, who really ran the cocaine underground market in Miami. My girl is going to love this. I've seen five. (laughs) It's a six-part series. Uh, We're going to watch part six tonight. I've watched the first five. It's been... Oh, Sofia Vergara. Yeah, and she does a... she, She is... They, like, make her face look all... 
contorted like the real life lady. Yeah, she doesn't. I mean, she's, she's a, not like super hot. She's a beautiful woman. And what was the name of that sitcom she was on with the uh, middle family? Yeah, uh, I mean, she's a beautiful. She, I think she modern be, family. I think she began her career as a model. Not she, shocked by that. She's beautiful, but they, they, you can tell that they've done some things to add a little bit of weight, um, in, in some places, and they've done some stuff with her, with with, with her face, but. She really does. Cocaine grandmother. And what they call it. She does an unbelievable, <laughs> I think she does an unbelievable job. And I'm just loving this because it takes place in the late 70s. And I don't even know if they've hit the 80s yet. And, and, and just everything from the diners to the restaurants to the nightclubs so to the clothes. So it's in Columbia. No, it's in my. There's, oh. there's, there's there's pieces in Colombia, but the majority of it is in Miami. I love that. It's almost when you start watching, you're like, wow, this has got a little bit of a Scarface eighties tone tone to it. And um, yeah, you know, six fifty minute episodes drop January twenty fifth. I'll check it out. Yeah, my, my my GF's like, let's check this out, and I'm like, man, I I just don't know. I think this is one of those deals where the book is is so much better. And I've seen Cocaine Cowboys before right. those documentaries. Which are very good, but I I have been pleasantly surprised by this. So I don't want to say anything else because I know a lot of you folks out there want to watch. I think it's on Netflix. I'm it not, is, yeah, okay. And but it's a true story, and of course for this, it's going to be based upon a uh, a true story. But three hour daily transformation for her to get in makeup for that. How long? Three hours every day to get in you know whatever they do to her face, Sophia huh. Vergara. Are we going to hit a lull now with all of the, you know, the writer's strike that we went through? I, I thought that. Like, I, I thought around right now we'd probably be hitting it, but I'm not sure how that works. My my wife watches The Young and the Restless, which is one of these trash, uh, whatever you call them, that are on soap operas that are on every single day. Uh, I have to watch it most nights, unfortunately, but... She was like stressed hardcore for like a month here around, you know, September, October when they had like almost run out of canned episodes because the show's been going on for like 60 years. (laughs) And she's like, they're just going to stop? Like, this is what she has to watch every single day. So Mm. it was almost like a humongous part of her life was about to be ripped from her. Hey, we just had Matt Clements on, and we're talking about the passing of Mike Martin in in the late 80s. When I was at Florida State, there was so few shows to choose from. Right. That, and I didn't even have a TV. Especially in the afternoon. Right. I mean, when I was in a dorm, I had no TV. I mean, are you kidding me? There was one big community television uh, that was in the- uh, The day room. Yeah, whatever it was. You know, right? Not, Not too far away from the- uh, the you know the the bathroom and uh, obviously we had we didn't have one of those in our dorm room, you, you just didn't and and uh, yeah we used to totally get into uh, they're funny days man. of our lives dude those I'd watch days are... of our lives could be like me and like four other dudes and like forty women <laughs> yeah oh girls love it dude <laughs> it's easy to laugh at and just have fun with honestly those shows are underrated they're. There's a reason they're on for like a thousand years. They're total and, trash, but they're hilarious. And they, and and they'll get you. I mean, I think I think, um, in a way, I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but in a way, the way that a soap opera. Because remember, like they'd have characters on Monday, then they wouldn't be on Tuesday, oh, then yeah. they come back on Wednesday. You might not see a person for uh, three weeks. Yeah, almost. but. 
soap operas actually did, a, especially on a Friday episode, oh. would do a real good job of teasing you. And in this particular line of a profession, being in sports radio, when you start in and you hear from any program director or anyone at all, they're going to say, tease what's coming up. Tease what's coming up. Tease what, and, and, and that's all about, you know, building your audience and do something that is going to make it so your listeners are not going to go away. Like, for instance, ladies and gentlemen, Rafael Esparza, live from Las Vegas. He joins us next. Vegas, baby, Vegas! All right, Rafael Esparza joins us each and every Thursday night. He does with my bookie, mybookie.org. Rafael, how you been? Pretty good. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, we have had some breaking news tonight in the NBA. Uh, another major star going down. When, when when something like this happens, and I'm talking about obviously the the meniscus tear here with Embiid. Um, in football, I, I would expect people to. You know, if this was a quarterback as far as futures and Super Bowls and stuff like that, uh, immediately that would uh, have an effect. But what about when you lose a player like this, an MVP? What does that do considering Philadelphia is, what, fifth or sixth right now in the East? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm probably going to piss off a lot of 76ers. But let's face it, I think the Bucks and the Celtics and all that were a little ahead of them. I think some teams might be making some moves to improve, look for the Miami Heat uh, to make some moves uh, and stuff. But uh, I don't want to say they had a chance to win it all. I, and I don't think they were going to make any big moves. Philadelphia was not in the trade rumors. They were going to pick up another star. It hurts them, I mean, uh, but I, I didn't see them coming out of the East. Yeah, 29-17, and 17, I guess they're fourth overall right now in the East, clearly behind Boston. And, uh, and Milwaukee. All right, what's the early return on what's happening, you know, for next week? Um, has the money been fairly consistent for both teams early on? No, it's been all San Francisco. Uh, the, the first couple of, uh, I think, uh, what I know, uh, I could be wrong, but I know $2 million bets uh, were posted, and both of them were San Francisco. One money line, minus 120, and the other one on the points, but I think it was one and a half. Uh, so it's been all for San Francisco. Now, normally Super Bowl, when it's two weeks, one week, one team, the second week, uh, the other team. So I think the Swifty money will probably come in uh, <laughs> sometime uh, next week. We'll see some balance. I don't think it goes past two and a half. I think we'll get KC money. Uh would not shock me if it maybe goes back down to one and a half. I'm a little bit shocked that the total has not really moved to 47 and a half. Uh, that just tells me if you like San Francisco, you're betting the over. If you like Kansas City, you're betting the under. So that just tells me that's probably why the total has not done anything. Yeah, and when you think of Kansas City, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the final New England Patriot Super Bowl victory. I think it was a 13-3 final or, or something like that, where forever New England put up a ton of points, but it was their defense that got it for them. Maybe even Denver and Manning's final year as well. I mean, Kansas City, as great as they are, this is the best defense that, that Andy Reid has had there. And San Francisco always has a top defense. So what are your thoughts on this total? Uh, I'm leaning towards San Fran right now. So I, I, we might see a lot of uh, points scored. So I'm leaning small towards the over because I think San Fran has got too many powerful weapons on offense. If you're San Fran, you need to score over 24 points 
because uh, I don't think KC can go toe-to-toe with San Francisco's uh, uh, offense. Now, if you're KC, you cannot have the, the 49ers score 24-plus points because uh, that'd be too devastating. I'm leaning towards the over. Would not be shocked if I think San Fran puts up a 30 mark. All right, I'm looking at um, a lot of the special props that you have up, which you can get at youcanbetthat.com. Uh, Has there ever in the history of the Super Bowl been a star who's getting more or even close to the amount that, that Taylor Swift is getting for this Super Bowl as far as props? No, and your email to probably late tonight because I'm almost done typing all the prop bets for uh, Swifties. Uh, you'll be probably blown away in how many different ways you can bet it with just Taylor Swift's name. So look for your email tonight. But no, I, I can't remember the last time uh, this happened. I, I, it would have been very interesting if we did a lot of prop bets like when Michael Jackson did a halftime or even Prince uh, when Prince did a halftime. Like how many prop bets we would have been able to done. Uh, of that, but uh, Taylor Swift has been. Uh, uh, I, I I'm no longer a Swifty anymore because while all the work that I've had to do for her and, <laughs> and this process, I have Swifty Grammy prop bets between uh, what will she wear a red dress at the Grammys? How, oh, here's a good one: Taylor Swift Grammy uh, wins, a, a Grammy Award wins to, to uh, Jason Kelsey's touchdown reception. So you can bet that. I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I do not like her right now. When I hear her songs on the radio, I just want to jump off the car. Yeah, this, this this is nuts. It really is. You said at the top that there were a couple of mil, uh, $1 million bets on San Francisco. When, when you get the props like this, and that even includes, you know, the national anthem, I, I, I know I've asked you this in, in, in past years, but just to readdress it, it, there's a limit on those props, correct? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just the, just the national anthem alone has a – I, I would think it probably only has anywhere between a hundred to two hundred dollar uh, limits. It's all the Taylor Swift, I think, are probably hundred dollar limits. You, you're not going to come up to the window and say, "Hey, can I bet? Uh, is Taylor Swift's lipstick going to be red? Can I get a hundred thousand dollars on it?" No, I, I would highly recommend it's probably going to be a fifty dollar max bet to a hundred. We want people to come uh, and bring their wives to the betting window, or look at the wives be studying all this, and they put ten dollars on these Taylor Swift prop bets. Why the husband's putting out fifty, a hundred, two hundred, whatever on the game itself? So we yeah. want we we enjoy that family members or or we just want to make a laugh. I do a lot of my prop bets. I've told you this many times before. If I can make someone smile and laugh just reading my prop bets, not betting and all that, uh, I'm happy because that guy, you don't know what, what who someone's dealing with in that day, death. Uh, stress and stuff like that. If he, if he can see, wow, that's a funny prop bet right there. If I made someone laugh and maybe enjoyed his day a little bit better, uh, I'm happy. Last question for you, Raphael. A lot of people believe that the PGA Tour begins this week with with Pebble Beach. Um, they had a big announcement yesterday. You still have the live. A lot of star players uh, on that tournament. Have you been able to get a sense as to what it's going to be like this year at the window, wagering week to week on the PGA Tour outside of the majors. I've heard a lot from uh, golf betters and all that that they're disgusted with the way their sport's going right now. <clears throat> uh, they they feel that there's too much controversy. They're not talking about the sport itself, golf. Right? So uh, I would not be shocked if we see a little bit uh, downward on props and tournaments and stuff like that. And you got to think about it. Tiger's no not going to be anywhere around probably uh, all season long. So there's a big name off the board right there. So I would not be shocked if we see some slight where a downward uh, on, on golf betting this year. Mm. It'll be interesting to track that. All right. Hey, leave us with my bookie, mybookie.org, please. 
Yeah, it's a fun time to be looking at to be at March Madness. Just around the corner after Super Bowl, college basketball is in full strength. NBA, NHL, All-Star break this weekend. We got UFC back into the octagon. And then next week, it's all about Super Bowl. We got boxing in Vegas, and I'll be at Thursday's event. Tifino Lopez fighting on Thursday in Vegas. It should be a crazy, crazy time. I'll be at Super Bowl Media Row all week long. So watch me on Instagram. I'll be doing a lot of live stuff, to interviewing some football players. I want to talk about sports gambling. I will miss you out there, but I'll see you the week after when I'm rolling in to see you too. We'll hook up then. Always a lot of fun, Raphael. Thank you. Take it easy. Have a fantastic weekend. There he goes, Raphael Esparza. We have breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. We do. Um, this one, very interesting. It was rumored earlier today. Um, this is Adam Schefter reporting Raiders have hired Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. And a really interesting note from Rappaport on the hire, he says UCLA coach Chip Kelly was actually interviewed twice for that position, but Antonio Pierce decided to go with Cliff Kingsbury. Hmm. So just another example of these college coaches are ready to jump, man. Like, they're done. This whole NIL portal, I'm assuming most of it's the transfer portal that they hate, but after yesterday with the BC coach, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this. Yeah, and I saw Dr. Herbie's, you know, he his opinion was similar to yours, and I was thinking, here's Dr. Herbie saying everyone's living. I'm thinking, well, isn't he that, left. Isn't that kind of what you did? <laughs> I mean, you hold on, you held on to your job, but you doubled up with the with the NFL. Yeah, I um, I think it's a good hire. Cliff Kingsbury to Vegas. Wow. So he's going to be there with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he might be at the U2 show. Who knows? Can you imagine being the third man on that wheel <laughs> with Garoppolo and, and Kingsbury? <laughs> uh, a rough one for that I wonder guy. if he's going to get the same uh, deal that Garoppolo was offered by one of those bunny ranches out there in the middle of the desert. Just uh, a lifetime contract. Yeah. Uh, we will see. So there you have it with uh, with Cliff Kingsbury. But, yeah, that is going to be something that I, I definitely want to dive into in the in the coming weeks is – what is going on right now in the world of college football? And, and, and how are you going to be able to police this? Okay. Are you going to salary cap it? Or, I mean, now you had, what, Tennessee hit. Tennessee and Virginia have now turned around and they're going after the NCAA. And another school just got in trouble literally like five minutes ago. Remember that big lineman that left Alabama immediately after DeBoer mm-hmm. got hired and went to Iowa? Well, now Iowa is under investigation for that by the NCAA. It just doesn't stop. College football, that's all they're getting. Um, you know, I was listening today to the Senior Bowl, and, and they actually were interviewing um, uh, Brian Kelly, not Chip Kelly, but, but LSU's Brian Kelly was being interviewed in the NFL Network, and they showed one of a couple of his players. And, like, in the middle of the conversation, he's like, yeah, both players played in the bowl game. And I'm like – where are we in the world of college football when your head coach, one of the things he's gushing over is he's that bragging. they actually played in a bowl game? But, but again, that's, that's, that's where we are. Um, I find this very interesting about what Rafael Esparza said. We're six weeks away from the players. And, you know, we just talked about the Embiid injury. And last, I guess Monday, we talked so much about broadcasters in a booth and how they can attract eyes or hopefully attract eyes. I've always been pretty dumb in the context of it doesn't matter who's playing. If it's a big game, 
people are going to watch. I, I think that the best example of that is college basketball. The talent there. I watched Kentucky, Florida last night. I mean, that was ugly. It was turnover after turnover. It was missed layup. It was just, it was bad basketball. It was a big win for Florida, but it was bad basketball. And, I, and I've always thought that way. You look at the PGA Tour. We'll hear in mid-March that it was a record-setting year for tickets. And the most amount of money is ever going to be donated to charity. And, and it's awesome. It's all awesome. You're going to go. You hopefully get in a chalet with a big-time company. You love it. It's a party. If the weather is on, everything is thumbs up, and it's can't miss. But what about the lack of superstars? To me, this is like, hey, I got tickets to go see the Rolling Stones, but Mick Jagger is not there. I, I really wonder about the future, and we've already seen it, not here. But when you get to the John Deere Classic and when you get to these other events, they've made so much money on endorsements and other things. And, and with their agreement yesterday, the $3 billion uh, that they brought in, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I mean, John Rahm's not going to be here, right? Cameron Smith is not going to be here. Phil Mickelson is not going to be here. We can go on and on and on and list the big-name players who are not going to be here. Um, will this event survive year after year after year the way it always has if you don't have the stars? I'm, I'm looking at the leaderboard here. Thomas Dietrich today, nine under par uh, out at Pebble. And, you know, they're playing three courses, uh, as we know, right now out there in Northern California. Patrick Cantlay, a stroke out. All right, you look at six under. You got Siwoo Kim. Uh, Grillo uh, at 500. It's a pretty good leaderboard. Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa at minus four, uh, at minus five, excuse me, at 500 uh, uh, among the uh, the golfers there at minus four. Sam Burns, Eric Cole, Justin Rose, Justin Thomas. Uh, so not a bad leaderboard. Three under, Tommy Fleetwood, Scotty Scheffler. You hope that continues, certainly here in, uh, in six weeks once the players comes through Ponte Vedra. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker Nation is here. Time for his Thursday night show. Celebrating Apollo Bencaro All-Star for the Orlando Magic. I can't remember the last time we had an All-Star. It's probably Nick Vucevic, probably six or seven years ago, but year two for Paolo Bencaro and He's an all-star. It's kind of a big deal for the Magic fan I was going to go with Nick Anderson. Yeah, it's probably been about that long, about that long. But you got to start somewhere, right? And we've been down and for so long, and now we have an all-star finally. So the ascent of the Orlando Magic is finally underway. All right, you got that coming up tonight. Big injury with Embiid. Which, yeah, which uh, JJ and I spent a moment on. That uh, we know the controversy about that. I know you guys were talking about it. Players are furious because you have to play a minimum of 65 games to qualify for the MVP. So the thought was Embiid rushed back so he didn't miss all these games because he wanted to be in the running for MVP. What the players don't realize is their own association agreed to that. Mm. So they don't have a big leg to stand on when the Players Association agreed to the 65-game mandate in order to qualify for the most valuable player it's interesting, award. It's interesting they're looking at it that way because I would look at it the other way. He's got a guaranteed salary, and he wanted to come back and play. 
uh, as yeah. opposed to others that could have just said, screw that and screw the MVP. You know, I'm going to wait until I am clearly healthy and come back and play. Yeah, that's a good point, too. It's one of the two. I, I was taking the more approach that he wanted to stay in the running for MVP. And I don't know if you need a, man, a minimum mandatory number of games. I think it's interesting the NBA does that. A lot of that had to do with people complaining about the um, resting of players for national TV games. <laughs> so because that was a big thing in the NBA a few years ago. But the NBA product's really good. I know a lot of people are going to start flocking to that after the Super Bowl, uh, NBA, college basketball, et cetera. Really enjoyed the NBA. And then, boy, last night, that felt like a big one for the Florida Gators. Miss free throw. Um, a big-time three. And then Florida was just a better team in the final five minutes. Florida's good, man. I mean, they're all transfers, so I'm, yeah. I'm still learning them. Uh, you could say five of their best seven players are all transfers. But that felt like a big one for Todd Golden. Gator basketball has been down for a while, but anytime you go into Rupp Arena and win a game like that, that's a good thing. All right, what's coming up tonight? Cecil Shorts, former Jaguar wide receiver, will make his weekly appearance. Brad Spielberger is the salary cap guy for Pro Football Focus for PFF. So we're going to have Brad on to kind of look at the Jaguar offseason, much like we did with Spot Track last night. We're going to do the same thing with PFF this evening. And also Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network, who's out in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, will stop by for the very latest. Maybe you were bragging about um, Velvet. Your high school oh, coach. Don I, Velvet, yes. Right? right? I yes. love that name. Great name. Did you just tell me Brad Spielberger? Brad Spielberger, PFF. That may be the greatest name I've ever heard. It's, it's a good name. There's no doubt about it. He is their salary cap guy, and we always love having him on. Hey, uh, yes, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, I was going to get into that tonight. I didn't have time. I, I guess I'll savor that for our show coming up on Friday, but... Uh, Pro Football Focus as well did uh, uh, some contracts on some Jag players that I thought were uh, very intriguing. All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks, Rick. That's Hack. He's up right now. That's going to do it for us. Thank you to former Florida State Seminole baseball player Mac Clements. Again, Mike Martin did pass today at the age of 79, the all-time winningest coach in Division I college baseball. Damian Parsons of the Draft Network. He joined us live from Mobile, Alabama, the side of the Senior Bowl. Uh, the East-West Shrine's on tonight. The Senior Bowl will be Saturday at 1. And Rafael Esparza live from Las Vegas. Our producer is JJ LaSalva. My name is Rick Bull. I don't check the text line. Now that the show is over, you can always get me on Twitter, Baloo1010XL. Have a great night. We'll talk tomorrow at 6 on your home of the Jags.